Advisory, truthful content. Lizard Illuminati. A new world order. successful and we will be we have a real chance at this new world order they sound crazy so who cares who cares but but it could totally 100 be true because we know the government's lies about every single thing Fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones. Been bringing the heat all year, and we definitely, definitely do not stop today. You guys have been requesting him, and I've been working out the issues to get this guy on. He is one of the most requested people in this movement. I mean, the guy is an author, the guy is a podcast host. He's getting nominated for awards left and right. What don't he what doesn't he do? Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Robinson from Macroaggressions. How is it going, brother? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, nominated, but no wins. Man, it, we didn't we didn't win this. We didn't win this last weekend at the American Liberty Awards, but we were all winners because we were just to be there. Actually, in all in all seriousness, it was a lot of fun to just be there and just hang out with everybody and uh, get to know some guys that I had uh, that I kind of knew their work, but never met them in person. That was that was great and um, fun to two different people fainted. In oh, the middle wow. of the performance, in the middle of the whole ceremony, the award show. And um, and Dr. Peter McCullough was there and he jumped up and like helped him out and everything. That, that Rob Dew's like on the microphone. He's like, you're, you're so lucky. You've got the world's best doctor here. <laughs> <laughs> Two tables away from you. <laughs> this guy like faints. Peter McCullough's over there like, all right, let's get him all sorted sort sorted out what did he faint from was he starstruck or no he was he was in the middle of a fast oh okay and then you're yeah, in texas and it's fast. He get dehydrated and he fainted and then a second guy did later in the night same thing they were like dehydrated it was high it was 105 degrees in austin and we were inside but there was a period of time where the air conditioner wasn't maybe like at full strength i don't think it's a little hot and everyone was i think drinking and uh these guys just they went down man well, you know, there's always casualties to a good time, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I am going to give you the floor and let you tell everybody your work and what you do if they live under like five tons of rocks. Because, it, <laughs> like, but um, before I do that, you you know, you were like kind of downplaying the fact that you had gotten nominated, and I think that when people get nominated back in the day when we would watch like these fancy awards, like whether it's the 
you know, like the Grammys or whatever it was. And it was like, oh, it's just an honor to be nominated. It's like, no, it's not an honor. It was like you fucking, you know, you did what you did to pay your dues to even have your name on there. You know, you did some nefarious, fucked up, satanic shit. And they were like, (laughs) oh, we see you in the background. You're almost ready for that good sacrifice. But when you get nominated for something like this that they had in Austin, and my good friend Matt Baker was a part of putting it together and all the guys at InfoWars and everything, that yeah, means that means something different. That means that you're actually making a difference in this movement, and and that is something that you should be definitely proud of. Well, thank you. I was pretty flattered in the book uh, category. I got nominated alongside uh, Alex Jones, David Icke, Whitney Webb, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Ed Dowd. You know, I was like, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good cast right there. So who won that one? And I'm going to go out on a limb. Alex Alex won it. Oh, man, that's biased. I, I was expecting you to say Whitney Webb, but okay. I was I was pulling for Whitney. I thought Whitney. I I think Whitney's book was the best one. I well I shouldn't say that because I didn't read everybody's books, but but I did read both of hers. And uh, you know I mean it's tough to beat that. But uh, but also you know listen I think it has to do with like if you can put the word out and tell everybody about this. It was a people's choice vote, you know. So if you have a big big audience, it, it obviously it helps to tell people that there's an award show and maybe they, if they're there, your audience more than likely they'll vote for you. I told my audience about it and they voted for me and I appreciate it. So, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I was happy to be there really. I mean, honest, honestly, I was, it, it meant a lot to be considered. Uh, so it was the book and then there was info bomb creator, which I'm still not really sure what that means. And then there oh, was I thought you would have got clarification by the time you got there. Cause I do listen to your show and, and at the beginning of your show, I'm like, not really sure what that means. I'm thinking yeah. the info bomb is like the first one to put out some, some sort of information that really fucking explodes in the community. Greg Reese won it and Greg Reese deserved to win it. In my opinion, he, he does a lot of great stuff and he, I thought that was the right choice for it um as far as best analytical broadcast that was uh oh mike adams won that again you know like what are you gonna do you're gonna say like oh i was wrong i just i I wouldn't discredit yourself from those heavy hitters you know so just you talking about what you were nominated for right there tells my audience a little bit about who it is and what you uh who you are and what you do, easy for me to say. But weren't you also, uh, didn't you also win uh, Mount Crushmore for Tinfoil Hat? No. I thought you were no, one of the faces I, on there. I, I apologize, man. <laughs> no, I, I, I have been, I have been on Tinfoil Hat five times, but I am not, but there's, there's a couple guys out there that haven't been on it as much as I have, but when they're on it, they're just like, they're killers. You know what I mean? So I remember when they did that, I was like, again, when they came down with the, with the, with the finals, you can't, you can't argue against any of those. And, and, but I do, yeah, I mean, I also, I do a, a show with Sam, the union of the unwanted. Great and show, we, by the way. We, oh, th- thanks. We, we really enjoy that. That was like a, an accidental type of thing that, that we enjoy doing. And, um, 
that yeah, accidental so, type of thing turned into something really cool. I remember one time I was listening to it and fucking Roger Stone was on there. And I was like, wait, what? Why, why is Roger Stone on here? Can I tell you a funny Roger? Can I tell you a funny story about that? Because, um, so that was Ricky Verandas's guy, right? He's like, I invited Roger Stone. Roger Stone said he's coming on. We're all like, okay. You know, and, and for those that don't know, it's me, Ricky Verandas from the ripple effect, midnight Mike from OBDM and Sam Tripoli, the four of us do the show. And then we invite, we pick a topic and then we invite like a bunch of different people and we just kind of mix it up every, every time we do it, which is like every other Monday night, um, we mix up the lineup and mix up the topic. And so Roger, St- we're, so the pr- we're like just about to go live. Roger Stone connects and um, he says, guys, he's like, I'm having problems with my computer. I'm going to drop off this computer and I'm going to connect with my, my, I'm going to connect through my tech guy's computer. Like, just give me a second. We're like, no problem. Do what you need to do. So he drops off. He connects on now because he's on this other guy's computer, he's using the other guy's zoom account. And so the, the other guy's name pops up, right? So Roger Stone does the whole interview uh, where it's where the name underneath him is like Javier Vasquez, right? It's, t- it's clearly not Roger Stone, but, but I, and I kept going, Oh, we should like explain there. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of funnier if we just don't say anything. And we just say, we just have people watch the show thinking that Roger Stone is trying to pass himself off as Javier Vasquez or whoever this guy was. It would, to me was just kind of like a funnier a funnier side to it. So I was like, I think hey, let's just let it be. I think that's fucking hilarious. I wasn't actually watching it. So I would have caught on to that, but oh, you, I yeah, remember, well, if you were watching it, you would have seen the name like on the, on the, you know, the description box below him, it wasn't going to match him. I just envision people going, fuck this guy think he's doing trying to pretend like he's not Roger Stone. Like we know he's obviously Roger Stone. You know what I mean? Right. So I have a, I have a loose connection with Roger Stone as well, because about a year and a half ago, I was on the Patriot podcast network before I got onto Rockfin. Um, I left the Patriot podcast network because I jumped off of the Trump train and that's kind of looked down upon on that network. Um, there was yeah. a lot of other variables that happened. It, I don't need to bring up, but um, anyways, I left, but Roger Stone uh, and the guy that created the Patriot podcast network, they're best friends. So Roger Stone had a lot to do with that platform. And I was mm. going, going to have him on my show to uh, talk about um, JFK because he wrote that book uh, talking about, uh, the death. But then I had Corey Hughes on about a year later and Corey Hughes is like, fuck Roger Stone. Fuck that everything <laughs> that he thinks he knows about JFK. And I was I curious know. because you just had on a guy that had on a movie. I haven't watched the movie yet, but you were saying that it like changes the game. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if Corey's watched this movie and what his thoughts are on it. Corey's roommate is the director. Oh, well, fuck. I had no idea. So he has his hands in on this. So it's no, going to be Corey, Corey, Corey's just watching Corey. This is, this is not Corey's. Uh, this is not Corey's interpretation of this at all. Okay. This but he lives with totally the director. But they're they're, they're not just friends. They're roommates in exactly. it. I'll see him. I'll see him next week. 
So he has to hear the things that Corey talks about. That's got to weigh on his mind when he's putting, when he's putting this shit together. Right. Yep. Yep. It's Ryder Lee and Jay Widener and Ryder Lee is his roommate. Yeah. Yeah. That is hilarious. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Corey, I just wrote the, uh, I wrote the forward to Corey's JFK book that's coming out. Oh, you did? Because he's been giving he's been giving me uh, paragraphs of it for the last two years. I've been re- I've been reading it slowly and, and totally out of sequence for the last two years. It's crazy, it's so detailed, man. He Corey talks like a trucker, but he writes like a college professor. Oh, I believe it because he's so fucking intelligent, but he talks like yeah. I do, right? <laughs> it's yeah. f this, yeah. f yeah. that. He, he, I'm the same. You way. read his book and you go. Like you wouldn't know it, you you would just assume it was some academic writing it. Not the not like a woke type, but you know what I mean. Like it's very professionally done. It's he doesn't write like he talks. He doesn't he doesn't write fuck or fuck these people. I mean, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> no, that's great. Well, speaking of books, uh, tell us a little bit about your books. Yeah, that's that's what started this whole podcasting side of things was that um, I wrote a book called The Octopus of Global Control. That's the book I got nominated for uh, and, and wound up going out to promote it. This was back in 2017 when I wrote this book. It's not a new book. And, um, and, and you know, and my, nobody knows who I am and I, you know, nobody's going to buy the book if I don't go out and talk about it. So I, I, I started to go out and, and, and get on some shows and talk about it. And the third interview I ever got to talk about it was coast to coast AM, which was like millions of people were listening to that, you know? So it was like, it all of a sudden, like people started buying the book and they were like, what is this thing? You know, like this is like an encyclopedia of, of terror and false flags and like the history of banking and all of these things. And it was a real, re- a very easeable, easily read book. It's uh, because there's, there's quotes from 700 different people uh, or 500 different people for 700 different quotes in the book. And so you can read about, you know, what the Rockefellers were saying or the Clintons or Bushes or Joe Rogan or George Carlin or Bill Hicks or, you know, so you could, you could kind of get a sense of, um, it helped to paint the picture of what I was describing when you could hear me talking about world government, or you could, you could read what I was writing about world government and then read, an excerpt from David Rockefeller's autobiography where he talks about how his family is planning a world government. Oh man. You know I, what I mean? So it I was need like, to read this book. So, and by read, yeah. I mean, do you have an audio version of it? <laughs> no, because it's so long that the, the company that I was going to talk to about doing the audio book was like, we're out. I, it, I get it's that. Like, so they but, said, we're, we, we're capped at 150,000 words and your book is 225,000 words. So we're out. Oh, see, so that just gives me more reason to want to read it. But I was the point it's I was easy, getting it's surprisingly to surprisingly easy to read for it being as big as it is because of the quotes. That's it. the format makes it like way easier to read. Like you'd be well, people are always like, I, I'm surprised at how quickly I got through it because it it um, that's something that it, more it, people not, need to do. It's like they, they'll regurgitate, not even regurgitate. They'll just throw up on these pages a bunch of information, which is very valuable information, right? But it's hard to get through. And if you're sitting there and you're taking the time to pull up receipts and include the receipts into what you're talking about, I totally understand why people can get through your book so easily. 
the number one compliment I've gotten on my book, which is kind of a, a, a funny one to get because it's a nothing compliment, is thank you for using a lot of bullet points. Because people are like, I can get through these these things real a lot quicker. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. yeah otherwise, you to be able looking, to get the information. Otherwise, you're just looking at mush. And the reason I asked if you had it on audio is because when I'm at my nine to five job, which I would love to get away from, but unfortunately, I'm stuck in this system. Um, but when I'm at my nine to five job, I'm doing nothing but listening to books or podcasts, and I'm just trying. I I have Which like one a, we've got on audio. Okay. Controlled demolition. Oh, oh, you know what? I actually named one of my, uh, podcast episodes that because somebody, somebody had clipped your shit and posted it in a TikTok video. And yes. And I was listening to it and I was like, that is exactly what this is. It is the controlled demolition. It is exactly what we're witnessing. And that is a great segue, great segue into what I wanted to talk to you about tonight because I listened to your show and you know, like you had on Brandon Thomas recently and I love Mm -hmm. that guy. He's one of my dearest friends. I fucking love him. And he is under the, um, under his belief. I wouldn't say belief because he says, I don't like to say beliefs uh, ideas because you know, blah, blah, blah. Beliefs are harder to change. So his idea is that you can create your own reality, right? Well, I completely get that to a point, but when your reality is crumbling around you and we're going through the things that we're going through and then it starts knocking on your door, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, two nights ago, we were just told that the rug is getting swept out from underneath our feet and and they're giving this house that we've been renting to their, their kids because uh, their mm-hmm. kids are starting a family and we got to be out in a month. And I'm like, Oh my God, I live in California. Like this is, imp- I'm fucking looking at tents right now. <laughs> I'm like, Holy right. shit, what am I going to do? You know, this is reality. You know, yeah. like I can wake up every day and walk through a fucking door and be like, okay, I want everything to work out for the better. But at the end of the day, when I lay down, like the reality is I have to be out of this place at this amount of time, you know, like the reality is, is even though we might be looking at a world stage happening right in front of us, like Trump is getting indicted left and right. Like this whole fucking world acting thing is, is dividing our country, whether you're on one side or the other, this is literally happening in reality, whether you whether you look at it or not, our country is more divided than it has ever fucking been. And the new world order is, is, rushing towards that fucking finish line like we've never seen before and how do you balance this well i mean listen as far as like creating your own reality i would say that that there is something to the law of attraction there is but it it's like it's not as simple as just like i'm going to wish for a million dollars and it shows up it's about like putting yourself in a position for good things to happen to you you know for a fact that if you sit on your ass and do nothing, nothing's going to happen. But when you start going down that path 
towards the thing that you want. What you find is that the distance between you and the thing gets shorter and shorter and shorter because it starts to come towards you as you're going towards it. But as long as you sit on your ass and do nothing, it's going to stay there and do nothing as well. Your dream. But as you start to go towards it, it'll start to come towards you. So it, it, it speeds up the process, but if you get off track, there's certain things you can do to definitely make sure that that doesn't happen, that you never reach your dream. You know, you have to kind of be like, it's not magic. You have to make it happen, but the universe will give you a hand as long as you're willing to start and you're willing to do your part in it. You know, there, I think there's this belief that like, I'll just, have a good attitude and sit back and wait for it to happen. Have a good attitude for sure, but go out there and make it happen. Like as an example, the, since we're talking about the American Liberty Awards, right? I don't give a shit if I win. Didn't care one way or the other. You know what I did care about? I wanted to go so I could meet all of those people. Yes. I wanted to put myself in a position where I could shake their hands and say, Hey, nice to meet you in person. You know, we've been communicating online or we've talked, you know, we've done shows together, but I never met you in person or what, or I've never met you at all. It's good to meet you. Now that is net networking. Not only that networking, is, that, but an experience, right? In a total experience, right? Like I, I don't care about Brandon. And I kind of talked about this a little bit. Like, I don't have a, a fancy car. I don't have a fancy jewelry. I don't own a, I don't own a watch. And you know, like guys, some guys are like, oh, I got a big Rolex or anything. I quite literally don't even own a watch. I don't give a shit about all that stuff. I, I care about experiences. I will pay money for cool experiences. I will get on a plane. I will fly to Austin, Texas. I will put my, I will pay to get to the hotel room and get a hotel and do all those things and, and, and invest all that energy into a who knows what situation. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know if it's going to be a dud. I don't know if it's going to be the greatest night of my life. I don't know if I'm going to win all three awards or lose all three of them. I don't know if the place is going to get shut down by the fire department. I don't know how it's going to go. I just know that if I don't go, nothing is going to happen. Right. And if I do go, that is me saying to the universe, I'm ready, man. Let's go. Whatever you've got, let's go. Hopefully it's not me getting hit by a bus. Right. <laughs> there's, but, but of course there's that too. So, so again, you, I feel like put yourself in a position for good things to happen to you. And work really hard and be intellectually honest and admit when you're wrong and, and go for it, man. You know, just give it a shot. See what happens in whatever you're doing. No, I totally yeah. feel you. And I'm coming to a crossroad right now where I'm like, do I give up my nine to five job, which I have already given up a nine to five job, which I had for like seven years a good job. I was a graphic designer for the same company forever. And I gave it up because I wanted to put it towards this, this, what I'm yep. doing right now. And I gave it a good year run and it 
was too hard and I'm, I need food. I need to be able to pay my bills. I need to get my phone turned back on type of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So I ended up getting a job, but now, you know, I'm about to have this place swept out from underneath me and I'm like, maybe I just give it a fucking full 100% go again. Like, why don't I leave the area that I'm at now, leave my job, take the little money that I do have and just fucking go a hundred percent and see what happens. I mean, you, 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 you won't know until you try it. You've got to make logical and reasonable calculations. You have, there has to be math involved. It can't be like, you know, magical thinking for, for us. We have to like, go okay, I'm like, you know, I can't live on unicorns and rainbows. So like, I have to be able to make a decent living. You, nobody gets into the alternative media to get rich. You know, right. there's like, there's like Alex Jones and that's it. You know, I mean, or I'm sure there's some, some other ones, but you know what I mean? Like you're either making like a mountain of money and getting sued for a billion dollars <laughs> or you are, um, you know, you're making almost nothing because I, they've rigged the game and YouTube won't pay. If, I mean, YouTube won't even let you stay on certainly won't pay anymore. So they, they've cut your legs out from underneath as far as revenue streams go. So it's like, you better love what you're doing. Cause it's not going to be like a big moneymaker for people. Right. So, and if, I'm okay with can, that. And I think that most of us in this realm are okay with that because we love what we do so much and the people yeah. and the lives that we touched, you know, like I was at a point where I was going to quit one time and I got so many messages, messages from people asking me not to quit and how much they enjoyed what it is that we, what I do. And so like, I didn't quit. Um, where was I going with this? Um, shit. Oh yes. So you're saying if you actually put yourself out there and do what you're doing, then those doors will open and you'll be me in the middle in some way. So I've been wanting to do this documentary and I'm not going to talk about what it's about yet, but I did put something out about it, like a little teaser thing that I've been working on. And Jimmy Levy reached out to me and asked me what my phone number was. And I sent him my phone number in a private message. Not even 30 seconds later, Jimmy Levy is calling my phone and asking me what I know about this topic that I want to do this documentary on. And I tell him the cliff notes and he's like, I want to help in any way I can. So save my number and let me know. I'm like, so it's like, it's like one of those things I was laying out in my backyard last night and I was like, you cannot have your cake and eat it too is something that my mom used to say all the time. And I did not understand what that meant until right fucking now. I'm like, all these doors are opening for me, but at, at the same time, it's like, we're going to make you struggle so hard in your just day to day life so that you can even walk through these doors that are being opened for you. Yeah. But it's going to be so much more rewarding when it all works out. Cause you will know work what out. The, the, the chances are of it. Like, not happening and this, you know, how, how, how difficult it is to, to, to do like, I'll tell you what, man, it, you're almost better off not knowing because uh, when I wrote my, that octopus book, the first book, I'm so glad I didn't know how much work that was. If I had known, I would have never written it. So you're sometimes better off not knowing kind of the future. Like if I had known a, a, the future of writing a book, uh, I, you know, I would have never, I would have never done that. And then, oh, then man, don't say that because 
since Brandon uh, started his publishing company, now it's got me thinking. I'm like, man, I've wanted to write a book about this. I've wanted to write a book about this. So I really want to start writing some stuff. So don't tell uh, yeah. me that. It's going to be for me. You know what? Just to say that I have a published book, then that's why I'll do it. It's obviously I'm not going to I'm not going to buy a fucking yacht after I put out a book or anything, but No, but but it is it's a rewarding experience for 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 starting and you know having an idea and and putting it down and it you know it's a it's a, it's a grind. It's a process, but I've, uh, I've developed a, a, a method that works well for me that makes it so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming and so daunting that I'm able to break it up into smaller pieces and sort of assemble it together in the form of a book. And it, it's, uh, it's the way I've written all three of the books and it, it makes it just less scary and easier to kind of do piece by piece by piece. And then, Next thing you know, you're like, I've got a, you know, I basically have the framework of a book already written and then you put it together. So I never start on page one and end on page 400 or anything like that. Right. Uh, I, I, I do it topic by topic as opposed to, um, you know, page by page. I love that. And you know what? You can downplay it all you want, but I know, I know deep down you feel a sense of pride knowing that you were able to accomplish that, Right. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. In fact, I'll tell you what the, the, for book number one, I didn't tell anybody I was writing it. Nobody knew, not even my wife. At first it was because I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to finish, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to be like, you know, tell all my friends, Oh, I'm writing a book and then have them ask like, Hey, how's that book coming, man? Yeah. Yeah. I never, I never finished it. You know? So I just didn't, I just didn't tell anyone. Right. And then about halfway through, I still didn't tell anyone, but my reasoning changed. I knew I was going to finish it at that point. I wasn't worried about that, but it changed to like, I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want somebody to tell me to stop, you know, to, 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 oh, like, what are you doing? Wasting all your time in this. So the book came out in total secrecy. In fact, my wife, when, when the first batch of books got delivered, I wasn't there. My wife intercepted like was like what is this huge box and opened it up and saw all these books and flipped it over and saw my my face on the back and oh my gosh that's how she found out she was furious she said i was emotionally cheating on her by writing the book oh man i'm sorry to hear that not happy but you know what i I feel like that is probably the best way that you could have written the book because you had no outside influence whatsoever none none and not only that i i know with that book, I stopped listening to my outside influence. Like I told James Corbett this once because uh, I told him that like when I'm writing a book, I won't listen to his stuff. And it's not because I don't like it. It's because I like it too much and I don't want it to influence me accidentally, subconsciously exactly. or anything. I don't want to listen to James do a big thing on Monsanto. And then it gets to my point where I'm typing up a, you know, a, the my chapter on Monsanto. I, his stuff's too good. I'm to be too tempted for it to, it would seep in somehow into my, into my subconscious or something. So I just, I just don't even want to follow his stuff at all. Uh, that was like for book number one, especially with that and same thing I've had. I'm sure he took that as a compliment, right? Yeah. But he goes, you can, he goes, you can use my stuff. Just quote me. I said, well, your stuff is in there. 
in book number one, I've got uh, 9-11 in five minutes, the entire thing start to finish quoted in there. And I, of course, gave you credit for it. So I said, you're in there and you're quoted, but I can't listen to your stuff. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he's the best. You know, he was, he, he, he had a good laugh about that. But, but still these days now it's like, you know, there's just some people that their, their work is, is so powerful that like, um, you know, I can't, I can't read it. I can't listen to their stuff while I'm writing my stuff. It just, it, I don't want it to get. Yeah. Tainted. It's too influential. <laughs> I totally get it because it's too I, find good. My, I find myself doing the same thing. It's like, uh, right now I've been looking over at my soundboard and I want to hit sounds, but I'm like, no, I should be more focused in this conversation. And the reason I want to <laughs> hit these sounds is because Sean Chris from kill the mockingbirds is one of my best friends and he loves his soundboard and he, we talk about sounds. So, you know, like, but <clears throat> I, I love a- it too, man. OBDM's my favorite podcast and it's, you know, and Mike's hitting the soundboard all day long. It makes it fun, definitely. But I wanted to get your take. So, you know, I asked you about how how uh, you balance everything. But one of the pe- things that I ask every single guest uh, for their first time coming on my show is what was your first oh shit moment when you were mm-hmm. like, and, and some people will say this, your first red pill, but you know, I think that we gradually take a red pill as our lives progress, but there is always that one moment that stands out to all of us. What was that moment for you? Yeah, I, you know, look, I'd love to say it was on the morning of September 11th, 2001. Cause I watched I would love that. that. You didn't say that because that's what everybody says when they come on my show, but I didn't, it didn't wait. I didn't understand it. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know it was at the time I'm talking about now, obviously in, in retrospect, it's a big deal, but at the, at the time watching it, I didn't know, but my, my sort of like, this is an adding up moment. The, the first one where I really just went, this whole story is bullshit is, uh, when they started to sell the war in Iraq right after it, two years afterwards. And they're like, well, you know, Afghanistan was this, but now we've got Iraq and, you know, because Saddam Hussein and, uh, you know, nine 11, you're like, what? what does that have to do with anything? They're like, you know, nine 11, Saddam Hussein. We're like, no, no. What about nine 11 and Saddam Hussein? They're like, well, He's definitely a bad guy and we've got to invade him. We're like, I was like, the fuck are these people talking about? This is now obvious that, I mean, with the Afghanistan thing, given the story that they told, and you know, maybe whatever. I mean, it's bullshit, of course, but, but maybe, but, but the, the Iraq part, because keep in mind, I was a freshman in college during the first Iraq war. So I remember that. I remember that in 91. January 91, when that kicked off, I was watching that in my dorm room as a freshman going, this is, this is wild. Like, I hope we don't, we, as like kids like this age, don't get dragged into like having to, you want to hear something fucked up and I hate to interrupt you, but this is totally making me think of a time in my childhood. So in 91, I was 11 years old and I would say this fast forward, this was about seventh or eighth grade for me. Um, my uncle was, uh, he was in Iraq and he came home and brought us all kinds of cool stuff. Like he gave me a turban and all kinds of stuff that he got while he was out there. He was an, uh, aircraft mechanic 
And when he came home, he brought a VHS tape with him. And it was all the bombings that we see now circulating on the internet. Like Mm -hmm. he showed that to me back in the nineties on a VHS tape. Like he's like, you can't tell anybody that I showed you this. And he's sitting there showing me these fucking people get blown up in like a car, (laughs) like his favorite. He was like laughing hysterically as this car was driving across the bridge. And he was like, watch, watch, watch. And then the bridge just gets taken out. And he was like, I'm like, oh my God, those are people like those are fucking people. And he didn't look at it that way. And it was that moment that I was like, there is something to the military where they're uh, manipulating the way that people think, because I always thought that my uncle was like a good person who cared about people and seeing him laugh while people are just dying. I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? There's a tactic they use for uh, not just, you know, for all militaries really, especially when it's wartime is that if, if you can dehumanize the enemy, it makes it easier for these kids to shoot them. You know, if you could, in, in World War II, they painted the Japanese as monkeys and things like that. Uh, the Zionists consider non-Jews to be like uh, insects and things like, you know, call, you know, so if you can turn them into something other than a, a human being, then then it's just easier to kill them. Then it's like killing a, a bug or, a, or, or shooting a, a deer or something. Yeah, uh, Hollywood so- does that all the time with their movies. They make, yeah. Oh, yeah. in their war movies, it's always a faceless enemy. It's like, you know, you're fighting whatever it is, you know, like whatever movie you're watching in Vietnam and Forrest Gump. You like, it's just, you don't get to know that person as a person. It's just somebody in a fucking uniform that that's the yeah, enemy. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. So, um, that was my real wake up moment. I think was that, was that second Iraq war of the, the, the idea that we, you know, yellow cake uranium and aluminum tubes and all this stuff and Saddam Hussein. And, you know, it, it just felt like, it felt like, oh, you're going to go get him because because your daddy didn't finish the job, so now you're going to go finish the job. You know, it just felt very inauthentic in a way that at least with nine eleven, you could you could point to something that was the justification for it. You could say, well, nine eleven equals Osama bin Laden equals Afghanistan. Again, a dumb connection to be to be crystal clear, but there's at least something. But with with the Iraq war, they just go, Iraq, we're going to go in there and invade it. And you go, okay, why? And they go, because... Weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. You go, what? yeah, where? And they go, yellow cake uranium. You go, and? And they go, aluminum tubes. And you go, is it? are we serious? This is it? And they say, you know, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And and so that's a psychological con job right there, too. So So I got my first taste of of pathological liars in the media. Obviously the government filled the psychopaths never to be trusted, never saw a war. They didn't want to get us all involved in. And so, you know, I, I, I was awake at that point. And then when you, you know, at some point, whatever it is that wakes you up to, to, to this, you know, reality, it's tempting to go, if this was a lie, what else was a lie? You know, and when you, when, when for me, when you go, well, if, if the Iraq war was a lie and they're trying to use 9-11 to sell it, is the Afghanistan war a lie? 
that they tried to use 9-11 to sell that too. And so you dig into that and you go, well, yeah, I mean, this, this is, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's idiotic that we're in here. We're in here because of terror, the Af- Afghan terrorists. And they're like, no, they're Saudis. And you go, so, so we went into Afghanistan for the South. I'm, you know, I'm confused. We, there's 15 Saudis. So we went into Afghanistan. No, no. So the guy that's in charge of it, he's in Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Is he, is he from Afghanistan? No, he's from Saudi Arabia too. Like, what the fuck aren't we bombing Saudi Arabia? They go, well, because it's because Afghanistan. You go, what? So, so once you start to once there's one lie that kind of wakes you up, it becomes easier to see the other ones. And then you know the same logic I applied for the Iraq War. I looked at Afghanistan and that didn't work. And then you go back and you go, well, let me just. I mean, just take a look at 9-11 then, and you look at this and you go, I mean, the whole story. What do you think the about- The official story is, the conspir- is a conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what do you think about the Bin Laden family as a whole? Because Nora Bin Laden uh, seems to be uh, quite based. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you either, you know what's going on. If you're in that family, you know what's going on. I mean, the- the Bin Laden fan. I mean, this for, for those that maybe don't know that all the details of nine eleven, and there's there's a million of them. There's no way to know them all, obviously. But but here's an interesting tidbit with with relation to the Bin Laden family and nine eleven. Obviously, Osama Bin Laden held out as the mastermind of nine eleven. Laughable. He was a CIA asset known as Tim Osman. But did you know? That on the morning of September 11th, 2001, in not in New York City, but in Washington, D.C., there was a meeting taking place in a hotel with George H.W. Bush, father, Papa Bush, on behalf of the Carlisle Group. And he was meeting with the Bin Laden family. So the president's dad was meeting with the terrorist's dad at a hotel at the same time when the terrorist event was being conducted. Right. So they're getting their story straight. And the only airline that was allowed to fly out after they grounded every single fucking flight was that of the bin Laden family. Correct. So are they all 100% in on it? Because Nora bin Laden contributes to a podcast that, uh, I was on, I used to be friends with them in my early podcasting days, and they're called the Steaks for Breakfast podcast. They've transitioned into just um, interviewing multiple MAGA Republicans. That's all they basically do. Um, so, but they still have good inf- information and good content. They have Nora bin Laden on there a lot, and she is yep. a MAGA. She doesn't live here in the United States, but she has like a good take on what is going on. And I'm like, wow, dude, everybody was like, fuck the Bin Ladens, fuck everything about them. And then I listened to this girl speak and I'm like, wow, she knows what the fuck is going on to a point. Because if yeah, the you Bin if Laden family, the Bin Laden family and the Bush family have been in business together for four decades. They're. They're, they're, they're partners. 
Right. They know each other. The idea that that he's the boogeyman. I mean, it's like this is when people start to go, oh, you mean this whole thing is theater? And you go, yes, that's exactly what I mean. I'm not saying that things aren't really blowing up. I'm just saying that the people that are the good guys and the people that are the bad guys are there because they're playing a role in this whole thing. And they're partners. They're business partners. But this isn't new. This isn't what you, then you, you discover this actually first thing is you go through and you go, this can't be real. Can't be happening. No way. (laughs) Then you come, you slowly come around to the realization. And then what you discover is that stuff like this has been going on for a hundred years. That's why when I read the octopus book, when you get into this, my, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named John Francis Highland, mayor of New York city. You read through this three paragraph, right? This three paragraph. He's talking about, this giant sprawling octopus with its tentacles in the courthouses, in the media and the government and big business and education and all of these things. And he says, let me escape from mere generalizations. I'm talking about the Rockefeller standard oil interests. And and you get to the very bottom. This guy's the mayor of New York city, 1922. So it's a hundred years ago. And he's talking about the exact same things that we're facing today. A hundred and one years ago. It's nothing new. You know, it's been there. It's been there for a while. And so when you you examine 9-11, you realize that it's, the players are different, but the strategy is roughly the same. And the players are roughly the same too, because these people, they're in for the long game, right? They know that they're playing a role in this, long drawn out thing and they might not see the results of their fruit um, in their lifetime and they're okay with that so they're playing the long long drawn out game here let's put this in perspective just the bush family three generations of bush family prescott bush through brown brother harriman financed adolf hitler yes he did hw bush through as directors of the CIA and his involvement in the CIA, wasn't director at the time, was involved with the murder of JFK and the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan, not to mention starting a war. His son was involved in 9-11. So you want to talk about a family that everywhere they go, people start dying. It's the Bush family. Yeah, that's why uh, Seth, or not Seth, um, uh, Sam Tripley coins it perfectly when he says it's it's the fucking Bush death cult, and now <laughs> and now the Clintons have have just latched their names right onto that same exact death cult. I mean, we go back as far as uh, not it's not that far ago, but we're talking about when we had John Kerry running against Bush and they're from the same fucking secret society. So that right there, it tells you what you need to know because it doesn't matter what oath these people take after the fact, once they take an oath to their secret society, that is the only oath that fucking matters to them. And Tim Russert from meet the press mentions that on television, that they're both skull and bones from Yale the guys kind of look at it, you know, like, kind of like, what is that supposed to mean? Tim Russert. Tim's like, you know, like, are we supposed to read anything into that? He's dead in less than a month. 
Oh, I didn't even know that. But yeah, and then uh, there was a guy that asked Bush about it, and he was like, uh, you know, what's up with the secret society, the Skull and Bones? And he was like, well, it's so secret that I'm not allowed to talk about it. That's <laughs> Tim Russert. That's that was Tim the guy? Oh, so yeah. he left that interview, and he was like, get rid of this motherfucker. <laughs> That's by, right. By the way, put some put some barbecue on. I'm going to be back in Texas later. Yeah, he died of a heart attack. I mean, yeah, he was overweight. Yeah, it could have been real. Oh, but, the heart you know, attack like how many, how, how many of, yeah, heart attack gun they were talking about in the, the, the church committee hearings in 1975. Right, which... So. which <laughs> Okay, so this is this is where this is really the the meat and potatoes that I wanted to get with you because I go back and forth. I fell for Q and I mm-hmm. was fully on board. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually real because it was like a fucking shiny candy inside of a candy store. And it just seemed awesome. Now I'm looking into devolution and you have like anonymous Sean who comes on wicked planet with, a uh, with Ron from new England sometimes who breaks down the shit that's been happening since fucking the Bible and creation and these contracts that have been broken. And I'm like, are we really seeing some shit here in our lifetime? But then I look at Trump and either he is a useful idiot or he is just like a useful idiot as in he is so cocky that he doesn't even see that he is being a part of this plan. Or is this guy really wake up and been like, I was a part of this fucking wheel in this system for so long, but now I'm going rogue and I'm going to do something different. And I fucking go back and forth with this all the time. I, you know, I think I'll tell you what would be fun to watch. It'd be fun to watch Trump come in a second term in, in office without having to worry about getting reelected, knowing what he knows in the second term, his first, you know, uh, after what he went through in his first term, knowing who his enemies are and, and whatnot. I mean, if you want to, if you want to p- pray for destruction, that's what you would get with that. You would get a guy coming back who is righting some wrongs and taking out this, this cabal. I think he understood to a certain extent who these people were. But again, there's a quote in my first book from Newt Gingrich who says, I think Trump is going to have problems in Washington, D.C. He's not a part of the club. He's not a part of the secret societies. That's what Newt Gingrich said. And he was correct in that. So... But, but the, the, did, did, okay, I gotta, I gotta interject here and play devil's advocate, but did not Trump's kids all go to Jesuit schools? Um, and, and is Trump himself, oh, yeah. uh, not the Trump name, a part of taking and confiscating all of Nikola Tesla's work? So, you know, like, is this yeah. already been part of the plan? And do you know anything about Baron Trump's wild, uh, or time travel fucking that shit. I heard of, yeah, I heard about that. That's a wild thing, man. Makes you feel like you're in a simulation when you start hearing stuff like that, man, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, I think Trump, I listen, I don't trust that guy at all. Never have. I don't, I don't, but I don't trust any of these people. That being said, he's got the right enemies. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's the only, the only reason why I would even be remotely like 
supportive of a tr- of Trump coming back a secondary time would just be to watch him go scorched earth on the media. That would be worth the price of admission or or the Justice Department. You know, I'd love to see these people. So the people that hate Trump are the people that I despise. Yes. Same. So that's that, you know, so that is that is the only part of this equation that I like. It's like the but is the, he the just enemy playing, of my enemy is my ally or that sort exactly, of thing. You know what I mean? But is he just playing a role, though, in dividing even the country? if he is playing a role? I'll take it because he makes them so crazy that as long as you make these people crazy, they don't have the emotional energy to focus on the task of enslaving the rest of us. So if he can keep them occupied and off of their schedule of 2030, which we know they're pushing for and keep them destabilized, what we found with COVID is that they don't have a plan B. Plan B was lottery tickets and Krispy Kreme donuts if well, you didn't take actually, the vaccine. They they moved up COVID actually because they were like, oh fuck, we we can't let Trump get Better hurry. Yes, exactly. So I fall into that. I call it a trap. I fall into that trap. It's like they really don't want Trump in there. But is it just a WWF fucking wrestling match that it I'm looking for? Oh, it can yeah. be both. Hillary Clinton is coming for me. I got indictments all day long. I think that they genuinely despise him. Why not use the heart attack gun? He eats McDonald's. He fucking, he's 70 he something wins, years old. If he wins, they'll blow up his plane. And, and but because and make a spectacle of it. If he wins a second time, they'll they'll kill him in public. So they're gonna. They're I'm, not, gonna I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying I want that. I want right, to be clear. Right, but right. no, none of us but, want but, that. But the it's the point. Do you think they're gonna pull another fucking JFK thing just to say, "Look, motherfuckers, we are still in control. You're you, you're if, fucked." I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll tell you the one thing that would make me think that they might not do that. The unintended consequences of turning him into a martyr. That would be the one thing that would, you know, like somebody that they, you could rally around. Well, I'm waiting for him. Like these indictments are nothing, right? But if they actually pull a conviction out of one of these just dumb fucking indictments, like right now it's gotten to the point. possible. Right now, it's gotten to the point where it's like Donald Trump didn't rewind his blockbuster video back in 1996. And, you know, like it's it's so dumb right now. It's laughable. But if they actually fucking convict him, I think that that is going to create the civil war that they've really wanted this entire time. They definitely want us divided. And Donald Trump... Regardless of what people pro or con or whatever, he is the great divider. He divided people in a way that nobody has ever divided people. Um, And, you know, they that's valuable to the establishment. Because if you get everybody connected, everybody coming together, then eventually they turn against the government. But if you can keep them fighting against one another and arguing about red team and blue team, then they're again, they're spending emotional energy dealing with each other and not fighting the real problem, which is the government structure that's imposing this whole thing on them. And that's why I say that even if Trump is a is part of this controlled, you know, opposition tactic, he's still sucking up a a portion of their energy their uh their you know the the, the their ability to focus on on 
on enslaving us. It just, it throws off the timeline a little bit because they have to deal with him. And so I'm in favor of that. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a Trump supporter or anything like that. No, I'm that's not good a, poli- to hear I'm coming not a political f- supporter. That's good but, to hear f- coming from you. So you don't think that he is in bed with them and he's playing this role purposely to split the country in half. I mean, I don't know what's worth, whether he's a useless idiot and they're using him because they know he's so cocky and he will split the country in half or if he's in on it. I don't know what's no, I, worse. I, yeah, I, I think that I think that they, they genuinely despise him. And I think they do that because he represents a different faction that they don't know how to deal with, that they don't norm they're not used to dealing with. They don't know how to play the game the way he plays it, you know, when he comes in and and starts uh, you know, again, he plays ball in some aspects of it. He was he brought in COVID. You know, he brought in the vaccines and he's no, he's no savior. Yeah. And you know, what's really, what's really disturbing about that too is, uh, uh, Don Jr. Um, Mm -hmm. reached out to, I forget who it was that made a, a documentary about the vaccine and what it's been doing to people and was like, yo, will you talk to my dad? Because he really thinks that this shit is good. And a lot of the QAnon people that are still, I don't want to say QAnon because you guys are going to get mad at me. There's Q and then there's Anons. All the Anons think that uh, Donald Trump is saying, I'm the one that did that. I pushed that because they were not able to make it, um, if, if it would have fallen under the Emergency Use Act, if, if he didn't push it forward when he did. And they would have been able to make everybody um, get it forcefully, whether they wanted to or not. So they're saying, he's saying, I did that, meaning I pushed it forward before they were able to fucking get it approved by the FDA and make it mandatory, meaning he Mm -hmm. saved saved millions of lives. And we're all going to remember you know, when all this comes out that he says, I did that. And then it's going to be, that's why, but that was a long, long winded. I'm sorry, but his son, yeah, I know what you're talking about though, but his son came out and talked to this guy and said, Hey, will you have your fucking, will you talk to my dad? Because he truly believes that this vaccine is good. So, you know, that's where I consider him a useful idiot. Yeah. Yeah. He can be both. He can be in the, he can be in a in a faction of this club and now have a legit. I, listen, I'm for scorched earth at this point. I just 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 get in there and start making it difficult for anything to get done. I'm for gridlock. The less they can put forward, the the more the more somebody can tie it up, the better. Because the you know we and not that I think that anybody's coming to save us necessarily, but but again, I just think that if you're going to uh, you know if you're going to um, vote for Donald Trump. That's a vote towards chaos. That's a vote. That's a vote towards a guy who's going to go in there and just start swinging. I don't even. I, think. I don't even know if I'm going to vote anymore, man. Because honestly, we had the. I live in California, and we had the Gavin Newsom recall, and yeah. the motherfucker got more votes 
in his recall than he did in the regular election. And I knew for a fact because I would drive home from work and there were people covering every single freeway overpass with signs saying recall Gavin Newsom, get this fucking piece of shit out, you know, like, so like, I'm like, what is the point even anymore? It's like, we know damn well what happened with the last presidential election how do we yeah. know anything is different? I mean, um, you don't No, They're all rigged. That's I never get enthusiastic about elections or anything like that. We Berwick and I put out controlled demolition of the American empire Friday before elections. It became a number one bestseller on 2020 election day, which is ironic because if you read the book, you'll never vote again because there's no point in it. This is a selection process, not an election you know, if they if Trump is in there, it's because somebody wants him in there. And, and that's and, that's exactly why I keep going back to like, why am I trusting this motherfucker? Like, you know, yeah. that's why I had to jump off of the Q train because as shiny and amazing as everything Q said, it it was like, yeah, but your leader, the the head person that you have of this organization as your leader is. I'm sorry, either he's a useful idiot at best. Now, the reason that I go back and forth is because so many people that know him personally, and I actually know people who've been in in contact with and, and run with Trump's peoples, and they're like, yo, he really, really is who he claims to be, and he wants to take out these motherfuckers and give the country back to the people, you know? So I'm like, fuck, well, then I hope he fucking wins. Show me, homie. Show me, show me Julian Assange out of prison. There you go, show man. Me That's another thing that hangs out of me prison. Show me, show me all these people in prison. He probably show me made, that you, he probably that not made things, bring, he probably uh, made things worse for Julian Assange. Uh, honestly. Oh, oh, yeah. And, and then, and if you want to talk about January 6th and everything, like how does he go to sleep at night knowing that there's people still in fucking prison, fucking being, uh, uh, political prisoners for January 6th? What? Like he barely talks about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know, man, nobody is coming to save us, but I don't, yeah, I don't trust, you know, listen, I speak at anarchist conventions, man. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not down with the state. I'm not, I'm not holding out hope for them. The best I can hope for is gridlock. I want these people to get nothing done because whenever they get together and get things done, it means they're working together. And when they're working together, that's usually a bad sign. So I like it when they're fighting and tying each other's hands up and so that nothing can get done because they're not in a huge hurry to, to do great things. So I don't expect great, great things from them. So the best I can hope for is, is nothing. I want nothing from them. They deserve nothing. If yeah. you're a politician in America, then you deserve, you, you deserve no respect. How do you convince everybody to stop voting and to stop paying taxes? That's the thing. Because once everybody said, that's it. I'm not voting anymore and I'm not paying taxes ever again. They're fucked. What are they going to do at that point? It's a very yeah. simple solution, but very hard to get people to fucking fall in line and follow, follow it, it, through. It with. is, it is tough to get everybody to collectively decide on doing something when 
the downside is if not everybody does it, it's the prisoner's dilemma matrix where you get into it. You know, if we all keep our mouth shut, nobody goes to jail. If one person talks, everybody, you know what I mean? So there's this, there's this psychological component to it. And I think they recognize that. I think they understand us better than we understand ourselves with regard to how we will move as a herd politically, as a demographics, as a, what age ranges think a certain way. They know a lot about us. They know they've got a lot of data on us. They've yeah, got voting they records. They know what you they, jerk they, off to. <laughs> they know everything, man. So, so like they can build a digital voodoo doll of you. They can, they can be pretty comfortable how you're going to react to a certain thing. So part of this is, is manufacturing reactions too. You know, it's, is it part of what Trump did was manufacture a reaction. If they wanted him, they wanted anger. He's your guy. He made the left crazy. They came unglued, screaming at the sky and, and made the right like, fuck, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're, we, we've got all this momentum. And then they crash that down and demoralize a huge segment of the MAGA group. And, and, you know, and so they take everybody on an emotional roller coaster ride and and get you to a point where you throw your hands up and say, I'm so sick of this. I, can't, I don't even know what to do anymore. Just fix it. I don't Take wanna. away my rights, but fix it. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of COVID. I'm scared of COVID. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. If they can get you to just freak out and say, I can't think about all this. I can't handle this. You do it for me. Then they're glad they're gladly going to step in and handle that and give you a solution that that you didn't ask for, but they're willing to provide to you. Oh, so. and they've had it in their back pocket the entire time because they're the ones that create the issues and they create the issues and they have the solutions ready and prepared to go before you even know what the issues are to begin with. What is up, conspiracy junkies? If you've fallen down the rabbit hole of captivating conspiracies and can't get enough of the White Rabbit Podcast, I got you covered. In introducing WhiteRabbitPodcast.com, your ultimate destination for all things that let you proudly show off your conspiracy-loving side. From shirts that spark conversations to mugs that fuel your late-night listening sessions, I've designed a range of gear that's perfect for embracing your inner conspiracy enthusiast. Imagine this, you're rocking a white rabbit jacket, sipping your favorite drink, no judgment here, from a mug that speaks to your fascination with hidden truths, or even a t-shirt that identifies you as a proud conspiracy junkie. It's more than merch, it's a statement. And here's the best part, every purchase you make directly supports the White Rabbit Podcast. You become a vital part of this journey, ensuring that these mind-bending episodes keep coming your way. Whether you're decoding government secrets, diving into cryptid phenomena, or pondering the shape of our earth. WhiteRabbitPodcast.com has the gear that lets you wear your favorite theories loud and proud. So don't just be a listener. Become a walking meme and make heads turn with your I don't give a f style. Visit WhiteRabbitPodcast.com today. Explore all the captivating collection and gear up to show the world that you're a true conspiracy junkie. Thanks for being a part of our conspiracy community. And remember, keep digging down those rabbit holes. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Ain't nothing but against the party.
And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, conspiracy junkies and fellow truthers. Um, so, yeah, we were getting into some nitty gritty into, you know, whether or not we should be paying attention to what you feel this whole political theater is. But now I kind of want to jump into what are some of your predictions? Because early on I was saying, wouldn't it be fucking crazy if we saw a Trump RFK Jr. ticket versus a Gavin Newsom and Michael Obama ticket? Oh, that I, would sell some pay-per-views. I think it's very possible. It looks like. Well, I, I think Gavin Newsom is the guy on the, on the, on the democratic party. I think he's their guy. I mean, that's who they want. He's a soulless maniac with Clinton and uh, Pelosi and uh, Getty oil connections. He's deeply pathological. He's, Connected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, which has been responsible for destroying San Francisco. He's he he's a build back better guy. He's he's perfect for them, for their agenda. He's he's and, just and if he was an, an awful guy. And if he was an actor, I would cast him in a remake for Psycho. American, American, American psycho. psycho. Yes, absolutely. The guy is fucking For crazy. Sure. And so, crazy. and here's where Michelle Obama comes in or Michael Obama, whatever it goes by now. Um, so they just killed off their cook that may or yeah. may not know anything about their little hot dog pizza parties that were going on. Um, and it seems like they're really starting to uh, get ready for Michelle to run. It, it, the tabloids are talking about it, and it appears that the lamestream media is starting to slowly turn their back on Biden because whether they like it or not, Biden's so corrupt that you just can't fucking hide it. And people that uh, the truthers around the world that are online on Instagram, on Twitter, on all these places, like they just can't stop the information that's coming through. So it's making the democratic party look bad. They're going to have to get rid of Biden. Either they're going to fucking out him on the 25th amendment saying that he's, he's just too senile. You know, he's not capable mentally or, you know, something. They're going to let him go out without actually fucking martyring him and putting him on a crucifix, I think. Oh, he, he's a liability. But they've got to do it right, if they can. You know, he. They're, they're, it seems like they're, they're, they're pointing out more and more things about Hunter, more and more things about Biden. They're going to tie them together and then sink them both at the same time, which I, which they should have done a long time. They're going to tie Kamala as well and sink her, but they've got to find somebody to get in there. They're going to, um, I think they like Gavin Newsom. He, he works for them as far as, uh, uh, he ticks all of their boxes. So if they can find a possibility where, Gavin Newsom inserts himself into the situation. They have them uh, a built-in excuse to move off of Joe Biden because he's he's medically unfit. He can uh, he he can tell people that he's um, he can tell people that he's uh, you know he's he'd love to serve a second term, but his doctors have informed him that he's unable to continue and that it, it's 
for the best of the nation that he step aside. And even though he doesn't want to, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll find a, a way to, yeah, to write see, a script. I see that happening as well, but I also see that they can't have RFK as the democratic leader forefront. So oh, no, 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 no. They got to get rid of him. So I think that's probably why they haven't announced yet. Uh, de- uh, that Joe Biden's decline is too far out. And I also think that they're going to be able to use this because, you know, the left is, is much as everybody says they're dumb and retarded and whatnot, they're actually really fucking smart. And when they pull off one of these coups or whatever it is that they do, they usually knock off three or four things while they do it. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take this out, this out and this out. So, with Joe Biden, they're going to say his cognitive is so bad that he's not able to continue with his presidency. And then also his cognitive is so bad, he's not going to be able to stand trial and testify against any of these accusations coming forward towards him. Yeah, I could see, yeah, I could see them, them creating a scenario for him to, 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 to disappear. But, um, but they've got to they've got to do something about RFK Jr. In, in their minds, they have to do something about him because he's 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 taking up too much oxygen, and there there's not a better candidate in on the left. They don't have anybody that's any better. They can't run Joe Biden. Kamala Harris got as many delegates as a dead guy, which is to say zero. She's completely unpopular and. And, and functionally retarded. So she's, she's not, <laughs> not, not, a, not an option for functionally them. Functionally retarded, I would say is giving her a little more credit than she deserves, brother. <laughs> she, she is, she is, is it's tough to watch, you know, but it makes you think like, like, are they showing you this incompetence on purpose? It makes so. you feel like that. Yeah. I it think makes so. You, feel like we're being made to see this for a reason. We're being made to see these gaffes and the, the, the falling on the bike and the, the biting the finger and the sniffing the hair. We're being made to see all of this. It's we're being prepped to, to understand that the presidency is a clown show and that that it shouldn't be taken seriously. What is your take that we've never seen Joe Biden legitimately in the Oval Office? It's always been... Yeah, I don't know what's going on It's always been some sort of like a soundstage type of a deal. (laughs) Um, There's been clear videos out of him. It just different people, whether it's stand-ins, you know, you've seen the lines where there's a mask. Somebody's wearing a mask being Joe Biden. You know, like, what is the point of keeping this theater going? And a lot of people are saying that the military is actually in control and they're just showing us how bad it can really get in order to get so many people on board to where when the military takes over and says, all right, that's it, we're taking over, that people aren't going to freak the fuck out. But I'm sorry, if you're wearing blue hair and, and you fucking have a penis and you're taking showers in a woman's uh, facility, then I don't think we're ever going to get those people on board, but I'm not worried about them because I'm pretty sure they can't fight. <laughs> no, it's not, there's not going to, they're not going to do much. It's frustrating, man. It's frustrating to, to watch this, uh, to watch this scenario play out because you're, you know, you, 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 you have no representative government. Nobody in Washington, D.C. gives a flying fuck about you. They don't care. They don't even need you to vote anymore. 
They used to need that. They used to need to like at least entice you to, I mean, it would be controlled, you know, it'd be two candidates that both serve the the purposes of, but at least you'd still have to get the most votes. Now that hasn't been the case for at least 20 years where they've been able to hack uh, these machines. So the idea that, you know, we watched, I watched this on election night in 2000 when Al Gore ran against George W. Bush and everyone's like, Oh, right. There was Florida. There was issues in Florida, right? Yeah, it went on for months. And everyone's like, we haven't elect. Are we going to like decide who the president is? They're like, oh, it's George Bush. And they're like, well, why? And they're like, because it just is. And they're like, well, who who made the call? Florida. And who runs Florida? Well, you know, his brother. It go, didn't It didn't fucking matter. You know what happened? It didn't matter. The Skull and Bones met up. And they were like, hey, John Kerry, you're going to have to take the fall on this one. You good with that? Oh, that, yeah. In 2004, same. Yeah, that was the, that was the one where they, they, the, the Skull and Bones oh, one was running against forwarded. Skull and Bones. I'm sorry. Yeah. In 2000, it was, it was, hey, Al Gore, we have a big operation planned a year from now. You're going to need to step aside. We'll make you the climate czar. You can have all kinds of power. We'll make you, you'll probably make a billion dollars doing this, but you, you can't be in the White House in 2001. And Just we'll, we'll understand. Even, we'll even tell people that you invented the internet. <laughs> sure. Whatever you want. What do you want us to tell people? What do you want? He's like, I want you to tell people I invented the internet. But you got it. <laughs> oh my we'll God. tell them that. What a joke that guy is. Uh, everybody needs to fucking stop allowing themselves to eat these meats from these cows that are farting while I fly around on my fucking jet and tell people to stop doing this, these things. I mean, we really do live in a clown show, Charlie. Like the, the shit that I see today and you're, you're right. It's like, are they really just parading these people in front of us just to fucking show how much power they have and how fucking like, are you kidding me? Like this guy can't even find the stage before it was, he couldn't find his way off of the stage. I don't know if you know this, but yesterday they fucking introduced him and he couldn't find his way on the stage and they had to fucking be like, Oh, um, uh, Joe Biden will be here in a minute. (laughs) It's got, it's theater. I mean, it's always been political theater, but now it's, it's, uh, like theater of the absurd. It's like, let's see how far we can push them. Like, let's see if they'll believe this. They'll never believe this. Let's try this. It's like, Let's make it so that, you know, actually they did it with George W. Bush too. They made him walk to go through a door, but the doors did, you know, you remember he was trying to pull on the doors that were locked and, and, They just let him, he just stood there like a retard. I I will say this though. When they threw the shoes at George W, he was able to dodge it. You know, I think think if somebody was to do that to Joe Biden, I think he would fall down. I think he would, it would be like legit hit (laughs) fucking headshot. (laughs) Just fall fall right over. (laughs) So um, my buddy, uh, Big Country, I don't know if you're familiar with Whiskey Beer and Conspiracies. Great podcast. Um, he's been talking a lot lately and I'm like, yeah, why did we stop talking about this? And during inauguration, uh, they did not let Joe Biden put his hand on, uh, whatever that is called. I know it's something sacred for the fallen soldiers or some shit on the wreath. They did not allow him to put his hand on that. And then when his brigade was leaving, we had soldiers that had their backs turned to their brigade when they're supposed to be standing at fucking full mass with their fucking uh, saluting. And then 
also we had like the fucking fences around the White House. And now um, uh, the District of Columbia is now called formally known as the District of Columbia. Like something is fucking happening. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what. I, I, I don't know what's going on with all that stuff, but I do know that there's like a there's they love symbolism. They love all that stuff, all the pomp and circumstance and the, the, the ceremonies, just like the royal families do. They love all that stuff. So it means something to them. It's a language to them. It's a, it, it speaks to they, they, they can interpret what all this stuff means. I don't know. I don't know what the, the soldiers with their backs turned and the not allowing your hand on there. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know if it means anything. I do know that, that I keep seeing Joe Biden in a fake white house and they're not trying to hide the fact that it's a fake white house. It's a soundstage. You, you know, cause like the windows behind it were showing like a sunny day in on days when it's snowing in Washington, DC. So it's like, they're not even, they're in a stage somewhere. So the question is why, why? Right. That, that, you like, know, um, James from we, the people radio, he brings this up all the time. It's like, if you want to be the president of the United States, like that's your dream and you dedicate your life and one day you're going to be the president of the United States, like wouldn't one of the first things that you do be to go into the Oval Office and sit in that chair and kick back and put your feet up on the table and like be in the actual Oval Office, but yet we that's have not wanted. seen your it. whole life? Absolutely. You know, and we don't see that. So it, it just, uh, uh, I, fuck, man, we are living in some really fucking weird times. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're messing with us for sure. There, there's a lot going on that we don't see or that we don't notice or that we assume everything is fine, but we don't, you know, the, again, the president is not in charge of much, okay? It's a figurehead position, and it just feels like, they've decided to stop investing a lot of money in that character. Like that character development, if this were a sitcom, they're like, this character's just not polling well. We're just going to kind of phase him out, you know, because it just doesn't really seem like, you know, there's more attention on AOC. Like, let's, let's talk about AOC's new skincare line, her sunscreen line. Let's focus on that. Let's, you know, let's not, let's not worry about, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you to a point where it's just, uh, a a place, you know, it's just an office, whatever, but we saw how much power it actually does hold when Trump was in office, because with the little amount of support that he did have with the people that were around him, I would say there's very few people that surrounded themselves around Donald Trump that really fucking had it, what he wanted to do um, at their best interest. Uh, but he had enough and he was able to make this country fucking thrive for those four years minus COVID minus COVID. That was the worst year this country has ever fucking seen. But for, the other part, like everybody was getting a piece of the pie. It was fucking awesome. We're like, actually one can't guy have that. can do something. Can't have, can't have success when we're trying to destroy this place so that we can build it back better. Right. You know, so you gotta, you gotta bring in a destroyer. 
You brought in a divider with Trump. Now bring in the, the destroyer, the guy whose policies are so deeply flawed and nonsensical, like getting off of oil and gas and causing, econ- you know, His uh, energy crisis. His first fucking day crisis. in office. You, that's what, it's like, if your mission were to put the country in a terrible position from an energy standpoint, you know, printing more money, Trump did that too, you know, doing all these things. It's like, you couldn't do a better job of that than what Joe Biden is doing. If the goal was to destroy the country, you can't do better than, than, than the things that he's done to the point where you have to ask, is it intentional? And then when you find out, when you remember back to, to his, his, uh, his campaign, his presidential campaign, he was talking about build back better, which is a world economic forum uh, slogan. And it is implied in the name. The destruction is implied due to the term back in it. You know what I mean? You, you have to destroy it in order to build it back better than it was before. So his slogan was about destruction. And that's what he's brought. Nothing but destruction. He's destroying the economy. He's destroying uh, buying power of the dollar. He's destroying your trust in the Justice Department. He's destroying your trust in the military. Everybody in the military is trans. They leave all their stuff in Afghanistan. They're incompetent. We're going to start World War III in Ukraine. We'll give them $200 billion. We'll give Hawaii nothing. We won't mention Hawaii. We won't mention East Palestine, Ohio. We'll, We'll just pretend like all these. I mean, if you were trying to infuriate 150 million people in America, you couldn't do a better job than what Joe Biden's doing. Man, yeah, you nailed it right there, 100%. So is this being done on purpose? I don't know. Well, I guess time will tell. What do you think, I'm sorry, I have the hiccups. What do you think about uh, this supposed disclosure of aliens right now and what do you think the what do you think the probability of it being Project Bluebeam is? Well, I mean, I think that yeah, you know, I think I'm not going to accept disclosure coming from American intelligence agencies, just on principle. I, I'm I'm not in a position to to consider that to be anything other than a psychological operation, which of course it, it is. I. It's a convenient distraction. They're getting, this has been a, there's been craft in the skies for thousands of years. They've been painted about, written about. It's not anything new. The fact that the government thinks that we are not allowed to know about this or we're we're too childlike to be (coughs) participating in this, this discussion about this is insulting to me. But then again, you go to the, just go to the mall and I see a bunch of people and I think, well, those people are, you know, barely capable of breathing. You know, I don't really, maybe I don't really, you know, maybe, maybe they couldn't handle alien disclosure. Hey Charlie, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. And I hate to interrupt you right now, but you just made me think of something that goes through my head on a daily basis. Living here in Sacramento, California, I will look at people all the time and I'm like, maybe Bill Gates was onto something. (laughs) But so there's a lot of people that aren't helping themselves out there. You know, there's a lot of people that are. So what do you, what do you think about project blue beam and the role of all this that's happening right now? Well, I, there, 
the idea of of a fake alien invasion using plot project Bluebeam or technology like that. There's a video that people can find from um, a company called Magic Leap. It was out at least 10 years ago, maybe more. Shows a high school gymnasium filled with a bunch of kids that are all in the bleachers and it's a basketball. Oh, the basketball whale, court. yeah. And a whale jumps out of it and then rolls and splashes water all over the crowd, except it's all fake. It's all projection. And all the kids jump back because they think that they're about to get splashed. That was like over 10 years ago. Just that company, Magic Leap, is a partner of the World Economic Forum. So that's just something to keep your keep your eyes on because, you know, they've got technology companies involved with them that would have the capabilities to do something like that. Now, again, this is as Carol Rawson said in her disclosures as 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 uh, Werner von Braun's assistant, that this would be the last card they would play, the fake yes. alien invasion, right? The last card that they play. And it probably has to be the last card they play because you either get it in you either get world enslavement after that or the people string you up so what other cards did he say he said uh he, he said asteroids actually before fake alien invasion right he said maybe uh, viruses maybe we're and, gonna and, fast forward past the asteroids and go straight to alien invasion he he also said terrorists so we can check that one off the list yeah. right yeah terrorist viruses asteroids and fake alien invasion so you know, I mean, listen, that's where we are. We're we're at we're at the asteroids part. Do Could you, we get an asteroid? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not out of the cards. Every month it seems like we're bombarded with some crazy fucking psyop whether it's yeah. you know it's just it's it's out of control right now the amount of psyops that are being run on all of us at one time and truthers included, you know, like I I can't tell you every a podcast that I love to listen to that covered the Titanic fucking submarine. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a psyop from the very beginning. Like, why are we talking about this? And, you know, I'm guilty of it too, because the girl that was on the plane that was like, that motherfucker is not real. I was like, I don't give a fuck if this is a psyop or not. That bitch is cute as fuck. And I want her phone number. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but even that turned into a psyop because now they've got that the new girl that says that she's her and she's t- you know and but that like, doesn't even look like the same girl to me. They're like it's not even the same chick, and so like, but again, I don't get too mad at all this because I am reminded that every time they run one of these half-hearted junior varsity psychological operations and it falls apart in front of a, a, you know, segment of the population just goes, this is dumb. This is, this is just like total bullshit. That is great. That, that is that, that are, that's a new batch of people that aren't going to be falling for this stuff in the future. It's a new batch of people that are awake to the lies and it, and it, and it erodes their credibility just a little bit more at a time. And that I think ultimately works in our favor. So I'm all, I'm actually in favor of them running these half-hearted ops because they're so poorly done that you you know that they're not going to be very effective and that it's going to have the exact opposite effect on them in the long run it's going to create more people that are skeptical of them because you can only lie to people for so long well i mean i guess some people you can probably continue to lie to but you know people are, are aren't you know they're they're going to snap out of it they're going to at some point go 
this is just nonsense. You know, like the way I did with where we started with this conversation, the way I did with the Iraq war, where I just went, this doesn't make any sense, you know? And once it stops making sense and you go, I think this is a lie. And then, then you go, I think everything might be a lie. And you start to dig in, you go, Oh shit, I was right. That is. And then that is, you know, that's a, ultimately that's a net positive for us as people that are trying to wake humanity you know i mean like this is this is this is almost like the best thing they can do is run bad ones well that's a that's a perfect segue into uh into conspiracy fucking breakdown right here and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna give you certain conspiracies and i'm gonna say uh true uh true is a 10 and one is didn't happen at all or no zero is didn't happen at all. True's a 10 and zero didn't happen at all with zero. Okay. All right. Moon landing. (laughs) That's a zero. Didn't happen at all. Okay. So, uh, JFK killed by, um, what is his name? Uh, help me out here. Oh, by, uh, uh, Oswald. Yes. Oh, that's a zero. That's a zero. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah, that did not happen. Okay. Uh, Osama bin Laden behind the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Behind them? No. Aware of them? Yeah. Is okay. So five. Maybe in the middle there. Okay, you know. okay. Let me Let me rephrase that. Osama bin Laden is the one that said, pull the trigger on the planes hitting 9-11. Zero. No, he had, he, no. But aware that he was going to take the the fall for something like that, of course, I would think he would be aware of that. He was Tim Osman. He's a CIA asset. Had been since the 80s, since the 70s, actually. All right. And then here is the last one. And this is a multiple choice. Okay. All right. Um, we live on a spinning ball through infinite space. We live on a flat level plane. We live in a simulated realm. We live in a hollow earth. We live in a simulated realm. And let me tell you why. And, and I've got a macroaggressions episode that'll be out in two weeks with David Icke that I just recorded day before yesterday. And I talked to David about this because I met him first in, in Mexico at an Arcapulco in 2019. And, and I, I talked to him about, I talked, I had done ayahuasca on that trip and I talked to him about ayahuasca when we were there in in 2019. Oh, beautiful. Can yeah. I hear this and then, story? And then, and then, um, when I was uh, interviewing him day before yesterday, I mentioned that this last year in February, I went back to an Arcapulco and this time I was able to smoke DMT on the beach at at night on a Friday night. And, and I was with my DMT partner that I met in 2019 and 2020 we had, uh, just a kind of a random story. But anyway, I wound up this, this guy, Johnny dollar, who's a crypto artist. And, uh, and he became my DMT partner. 
I ran into him again this year and he said, do you want to smoke it this time? And I was like, yes, that's what I've been really wanting to do. I've been really wanting to, to try that. And he was a perfect fit for me because I mean, it was a perfect scenario because I had already done this with him on multiple occasions before over the years before, uh, did you just ingest it? Like you ate it Be- before we did five MEO DMT, which is powder. It's a powdered substance and they put it into a, into a pipe type thing and they stick it up your nose. And then a guy goes and blows it up your nose. Oh, so it's almost like snorting it. it exactly. Yeah. Okay. And that's like a 40 minute trip, but it's a, it's um it's a different form of DMT, you know? So it's not ayahuasca DMT. It's not, it's not that that's a, that's a, an eight hour trip and with a ton of barfing and everything. So do you it, go, do you go into these with different intentions? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You've got to kind of go in. Well, I mean the first time you go in with the intention of like, you know, figuring out what what the fuck it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so this last time, this, this time when we, when we were able to smoke it, we were down on the beach at night with, with nobody else around. And, um, we went through multiple sessions and the last one, right before the last session, he says to me this time, instead of closing your eyes and laying back down on the beach towel and experiencing everything this time, stay kind of seated up and keep your eyes open. And, and then, and then look, I was like, okay. And he goes and hit it and hit it and hit it till you can't hit it anymore. Hit it till your arms don't work. You know, I'll grab the pipe out of your hand, you know? And so that's what I did. And you can feel it kind of coming on and you, you, you know, and this was like the fifth session we had done that night. So I knew like, once you feel it coming on, you've got about 15 seconds before it's going to get real weird. Let me ask you, let let me ask you a question. When you know that that 15 seconds is, you know, it's coming, right? Yeah. Do you keep your eyes open or do you keep your eyes closed or do you close your eyes? This, this last time he said, keep your eyes open. Okay. So I did. And I was sitting there looking at the beach or looking at the ocean. I was sitting on the beach, but looking towards the ocean at night, full moon, stars, everything. And you can see the waves, you know, but because of the moon, you can see the waves. And I saw, I watched the waves come in and they're in, in the middle of crashing, just freeze. Everything went just like turned almost like it turned to stone. Just instantly everything stopped. And I saw a very, very fine light green, almost like a laser light green grid pattern emerge all through the sand, through the water, as far out as I could see to the horizon, extending up all the way through the sky and all the way above me, making it look like I was inside a giant gridded out dome. It sounds like original Sega games. Dude, it was wild. It was like an. It was like if you had a so, CAD automated drawing yeah, program. Yeah. So what you I'm were, picturing is you're saying green, right? And when I, because I've I've used these programs back in the day as well. But what you get is actually what my my. It's like a light. It's kind of like a, it was an aqua blue sort of. Okay, like so it's not yeah. like my visual where it was black. Um, what was what was behind the grid? Could you see, could you see like more grid behind the grid or was it? 
I could just see, I could see the stars and then I could see the stars behind the stars, which was weird to me. It was almost like it was like two levels of stars. And I could tell that I was looking through one and I was focusing on the back, but behind that was a grid. Everything was, was on the grid. And so it felt like a simulation. So when you're going through this, are you freaked out or are you like, okay, this is something now I'm going to learn something. Where's your oh, head at? I, Where's your head at yeah, when you're going through I, this? I am, I am, I don't get freaked out by this stuff. Um, I'm not saying I don't get freaked out, but I, I don't, I don't get freaked out by psychedelics. I have a fairly good disposition when it comes to that. If uh, uh, I, I usually don't lose my head over it. So I am not, uh, it's very, it's, it's an unusual feeling the first time you do it. And there's a very specific taste that I'll never forget. Um, but I, I see, I'm, I am a seeker of information. I want it. Yes. I'm open to it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared of it. I'm there because I want it. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? If I, so, so I, I'm not scared of this. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm respectful. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to misconstrue that and make it appear that I'm like cavalier about it. I'm very respectful of the substance and the process and the setting and the intention and everything that you kind of, everything else that makes up the trip. Yes. I'm always very aware of that. Um, and I'm definitely respectful of the power of it, but I'm not scared of it. I'm not, I'm not like intimidated by it. I want it. Right. But I want it. I want to do it right too. I'm not going to, I'm not ripping DMT hits at a fucking rave or something. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that doesn't appeal to me. It's not the party, the party aspect. So when I, I've only done psychedelics, well, I've done them twice, but I really only got hit with it one time. And I was arrogant at the time. I didn't Mm. know what I was doing. And, uh, me and my wife had just had a baby and for a present, one of her friends had given us mushrooms and she was like, (laughs) and she was like, well, I'm fucking breastfeeding. I'm not going to do the mushrooms. And she was like, but you should do them. And I was like, all right, well, I've never done these motherfuckers before. I was like, so how much should I do? And she was like, just eat the whole bag. She was like, you got to get the full experience. And I was like, all right, cool. So I ate the whole fucking bag. And then I was like, well, I don't want to start tripping out right here while my fucking wife is just breastfeeding my daughter and watching TV, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had a friend that lived down the street. So I was like, let me go see what my friend's up to. And he was down there. He was playing video games in his little apartment and shit. And so I'm sitting there and we're just sitting there having a conversation And then all of a sudden I start feeling it before I start seeing it. And I just feel really fucking good. And I sink back into the couch and I'm like, oh my God, this is like higher than I've ever been from smoking weed. And then I look down at the carpet and he's talking to me and it's like, wah, 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 like (laughs) Charlie Brown, you know, Charlie Brown's parents. 
and yeah, I'm looking yeah, yeah. at the carpet and it's just sparkling, magical fucking just going in these geometric patterns, just moving. And I'm like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of here. So long story short, I ended up in the fucking hospital because I couldn't handle not having control of my own reality. And mm. I go into the bathroom and I'm trying to force myself to throw up. I start throwing up a shit ton. My wife brought me um, a sandwich. It was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but it mm -hmm. tasted like straight sand. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. When yeah, everything that was said and done, I was just so happy that I was finished with the experience and that it was fucking over with. Because yeah. it, it was bad, man. I, I Like I said, I ended up in the emergency room. Uh, a sheriff yeah, came. I was in Nevada, so it's like highly illegal. So a, sheriff yeah, oh, yeah. so a sheriff comes and he's like, would you like to tell me where you got these from? And I was like, you look like a lizard to me. And he was like, here's my card. Call me when you're done tripping the fuck out. And then the and then the head doctor who was running the emergency room was like, get this fucking guy out of here. I'm not going to have somebody just tripping on mushrooms sitting in the hallway because it was so busy that I didn't even have right. a room. I'm just sitting on a gurney in the fucking hallway. It was the worst fucking mushroom experience anyone could ever have. So I was like, never again will I fucking do mushrooms. However, yes, fast forward 18 years. And I'm much more mature and I went into it with a different aspect and I didn't even take enough to hallucinate. Me and my friend took like a, a very minimal dose and I was able to fucking re feel really comfortable with it. Now, Amanda Ray, who is a, a cosmic spiritual guide, was able to obtain a way to um, have a religious exemption and hold these retreats where uh, they do um, these spiritual healings through psychedelics. And so me and my 18-year-old daughter are going to go to this in October. Oh, nice. Yes, and we're going to do this together, her and I, with Amanda Ray. Nice, nice. That's, that's that I was 18. The first time I went in and did mushrooms and it changed my world. It changed my life. It changed my perspective. It just taught me that there's another, there's another side to the coin as Terrence McKenna says, you know, that there's, there's another world out there. If you think that what, you know, what you see in here is the only thing that's out there. You're, you're living in a very limited world. And, and, and once I did mushrooms, I saw that there was, uh, um, there was more there were, I could see things that, you know, you normally couldn't see. I could hear, I could hear conversations friends were having in another room. You know what I mean? Yes. It was, it, it was like, it was like a superpower, you know, but, but really what it was, was it was activating these latent powers that you currently had. You just couldn't tap into, you couldn't see the things that you could see, uh, like when you're during a sober time. So it's like, it's like an, un, it's an untapped potential that you have. And you, you start to learn about that as a possibility. And it just opened you up to a new way of thinking about things. And so I, I, I have always been, you know, appreciative of what I've learned from, from psychedelic experiences. I think they're, um, you know, for me at least they've, they've always kind of helped 
get me um, either on track or, or, you know, back on track or whatever, but they, they, they read, they help to kind of reset everything. And in, in scientific actuality, they, with regard to something like psilocybin, they do reconnect neuro pathways in your, in your brain pathways that get disconnected during the course of your life due to stress and, and just sort of natural disruptions. It, it reconnects them and they'll do PET scans on people before and after they do, uh, psilocybin treatments and they'll see that like they're way more active and lit up afterwards, even weeks afterwards. So oh, man, it, it's been huge in, in, uh, the military as far as oh, yeah. people, people coming out and the suicide rate. Yep. And yep. It, it's been, it's done wonders. What, what is your thoughts on people that I consider NPCs that do psilocybin? Like I've seen NPCs do psilocybin and I basically, all I see it is, it's just a party drug for them. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, w- I would think that they, I don't know. Maybe it will wake them up. Maybe it'll make them not be NPCs. Maybe that's the missing common denominator is that they need to do mushrooms and reconnect their brain and snap out of it. But as I see it right now, like the idea of, of somebody doing like eating a bag of mushrooms and going to like a, uh, you know, like a nightclub. That sounds like hell to me. Oh yeah. You know? I don't think that that is the experience that I want at all. Like, no. so uh, I actually told a couple people that my daughter was going to me uh, or going with me and they were like, wow, dude, you're kind of fucked up. And I was like, no, I, I don't think I'm fucked up at all. Like, I think I'm like introducing my daughter to what the world really is. Like I never told my daughter about Santa Claus. Like, when she came mm. home and she was like, what is this Santa Claus that everybody's talking about at school? And I was like, oh, their parents are all lying to them, just so you know. Yeah. And I'm never going to lie to you. So uh, this is bullshit. Yeah, it was a tough one for me. I felt like a fed. Oh, you did tell them that it, it, you you played along? I did. Because, See, I just remember because, how devastated I was when I found out that my fucking mom lied to me. And I was like, fuck you, mom. I was so mad. I, I, I felt like, um, I felt like part of the problem to be honest with you. I felt really (laughs) bad about it, but I justified it. It's an interesting thing because I, I got a chance to, to walk through, walk myself through that process of justifying the unjustifiable. You know what I mean? By saying, well, you know, she's a kid and it's kind of part of the culture and everything. I'm like, "Hmm." Well, these are these are flimsy little justifications I've created for myself. We're still lying to her about Santa Claus, though. You know what I mean? It's like at some point I'm going to say, listen, you know, at some point I'll have the conversation. Remember how you were misled into believing that it's the Santa Claus thing. And everything? There's 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 more. If you think that's a big, massive lie that everyone was in on, get ready. There's more. Well, see, Wait till you learn about government. It kind of backfired on me, I will say, because my daughter was upset because I didn't allow her to participate in that PSYOP. And she felt like her friends got to play along with something uh, that she didn't get to. And I talk about all these crazy conspiracies with my daughter as well. And she chooses not to believe some of them because she's like, look, dad, like, you're kind of crazy, you know, (laughs) like. Yeah. You're kind of crazy. You you lost me at lizard people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can tell her I just 
Just talk to David Icke. We didn't talk lizard people, though. I really want to get David Icke on, man. He is uh, such an inspiration for not only me, but like so many of us. He's such a fucking yeah. inspiration. Great guy. Well, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for David. Well, we are coming to that uh, closing of the White Rabbit show, man. You are such a fucking cool person. I'm glad that we finally got oh, to thanks, talk. Man. You know, I know we're both in the legit bat uh, Telegram uh, conversation. I'm getting texts text from Joe as we speak. Oh, right on, brother. Tell him I said what's up, and also tell him I texted him and invited him on uh, Talk of the Tavern this week because Ghost can't be there, so he put me in charge of getting all the guests and hosting it. You want to come on? When is it? This Friday, 5.30 PST. Um, send me Send me a link. Not sure if I can do it. My wife is coming back into town that day. So, oh, well, you know, if you, I, I was, it was a shot in the dark, anyways. Yeah. But, brother, you are so fucking awesome. I knew you were going to be awesome. Thank you for coming on and blessing White Rabbit. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, even though they can scroll down right now and just click on it? But, you know, it's always good to let everybody let everybody know where you can find them. Thanks for having me. First of all, I appreciate it. It's fun to get weird with you. Um, Macroaggressions podcast goes out in audio format wherever podcasts are served and in video format on Rockfin, on uh, band.video, vigilante.tv. Uh, I'm going to be speaking in New York City the weekend of September 11th. It's September 9th to be specific since we're talking 9-11. You can come if people are interested and they want to come see that. It's going to be me and Billy Ray Valentine and Tony Arterburn and Don Jeffries, Wayne McCroy, Richard Gage, Gardner Goldsmith. Uh, we're going to be talking about John Brisson will be there. We're going to be talking about 9-11. We're going to be talking about a lot of aspects of it. So if people are interested in that, they can go to Eventbrite and just type in free world NYC and they'll find information about that. If you're in the New York area, I've never been to New York for 9-11, so, and I've never been with, with Richard Gage, even though I randomly got seated next to him at a wedding in Washington, in the what? state of Washington <laughs> one time. Yeah, I got seated next to him, and I was like, you are in my book. And he's like, no kidding. I'm like, no, you're, there's actually a chapter called Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, and I just got seated next to you at a wedding. So from there, I got him to speak at a Narcopulco, and now he and I are speaking together in New York for 9-11. So that's Man, going to be an honor team. for me. So if, like me, I'm all the way on the other end of the United States, yeah. and there's no way I'm going to be able to make that. Is there going to be no. video of this? I'm sure they're going to record it. I'm sure Billy Ray is doing that right now. So I'm sure he's working on that. So, well, that's going to um, be, I'm so happy for you, bro. That's going to be such a fantastic fucking adventure for you. Talk yeah. about, talk about experiences. That's going to be one. Yeah. And Tony Arterburn is sponsoring the event. He sponsored the American Liberty Awards in Austin. He sponsors my show. He sp sponsors Owen Schroyer's show and D David Knight's show. And, you know, he's the guy that steps in. He's a, he runs a gold, a wise wolf, gold and silver. So like people that are interested in that sort of stuff, you know, he's made himself a, a, a nice, you know, he, he's got a, a nice business going there and he decides to step up and finance some of these, these events to help 
get people together and get them talking. So we always appreciate that. So I'm suggesting people that are in the New York area, like come out in person and let's, let's do it. So, and also if, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter at macroaggressions on Instagram at macroaggressions underscore podcast, I think. Yeah. We'll have all those links right there. So if you guys want to just scroll right now, you see that link right there, that link right there, click it while you're there, go ahead and give us a five-star review because that really helps out with the algorithms. You guys know that they kicked me off of Spotify and that hurts, hurts really bad. We're trying to get back on, but to keep us in the algorithms, please hit that five-star, give us a review, say white rabbit sucks ass. I don't care. But if you type something, it keeps us in that algorithm. So let's keep going. Charlie Robinson, man fucking legend in the game living legend right here and i hope to have you back on again sometime soon brother otherwise you. you guys know what time it is keep digging down those rabbit holes I would never bend my knee to Satan. I would never sell myself for no paper. You can go ahead and call me a hater, but I'll go ahead and call you a traitor. Hey, Hollywood is getting canceled. I put God over financials. Just know that I never kill myself if they try to use me as a damn example. Hey, first Lil Nas, now Sam Smith. Satan coming for the damn kids. These rappers and singers are puppets. The second the label give them their advances. God is forgiven. We were all made in his image. That's why he told me to remix this. Every nation demoralization while we celebrating when people are sinning. Don't care if you trans. Nah, oh, you a man who in love with a man But if you're gonna cover your nipples with tassels And leave the kids alone and just do OnlyFans I just can't stand all the lies of the media Pushing these kids, they ain't standing a chance Hollywood pushes agendas with all of these artists I swear that they industry's plans All of these fallacies that they preaching This way that there's no more objective reality Go ahead, laugh at me But I think that you worship and Satan is more of a tragedy They sold out our nation for more dough That's why I don't watch award shows Celebrity puppets, we're living in luxury All of our business will force close All of Jehovah Shama Yahweh, you can call him whatever you do, but worship and say with the purpose of angering God, well that's just gonna make you a fool.